0: Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb up
1: to American Roots Outdoors. Alex Rutley's in the house finally. I've been <laughs> gone. To, I've had seven nights home until the Thursday before turkey season at home.
0: That mill rot works kept me busy, Red Bone.
2: It apparently it has, yeah. Why?
0: But I, I was gonna say that seven days, that seven days probably you really enjoyed though. Oh my.
1: Well I didn't get to really enjoy it that much, but uh what time i did have I right did exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know we're going to talk about turkey season in this first segment of the show here missouri turkey season and talk about uh what we feel is going on and what we feel about our turkey numbers and we also got a great show lined up for everybody today if you love nascar you're going to love our guests we got a special guest coming on and we're going to surprise you with them right before the end of the segment so, we're going to kick it off here. We're talking about different counties here, uh, the turkey numbers here. Uh, Redbone's pulled up the graph right now on the internet, Spring Turkey Harvest Map, and our turkey numbers are?
2: Well, well after after a week and, and a couple of days, this show will air on Saturday. So, basically the first two weeks, 22,656 turkeys have taken, uh, uh, taken a, a shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, total adult gobblers, 18,372, 4,000 total uh, jakes, uh, 256 bearded hens. And the top county in the state right now, Franklin County, with 517 birds.
1: Franklin's always leading.
2: Yeah, yeah they're always near the top. And, and Texas is always right there, too. As a matter of fact, Texas County now with 479 uh, turkeys that have been harvested. And, uh, you know, kind of surprising me, uh, Alex, Phelps County. It's a good county. Is way up there this yeah. year. 446. They're like number four in all the top five. What wow. is
1: or uh, Shannon County, Oregon County, and Howe County? What is their number? Yeah,
2: well, Shannon County is at 214. Wow. Uh, Oregon County is at 151. Howe County is at 209, which is extremely low. Yeah, it is. Because Howe County usually is in the top five. Usually. Yeah. yeah usually.
1: Well, you know, you said something there a while ago, a lot of turkeys getting shot. Well, we hope they're getting shot with the Apex <laughs> turkey loads. Yeah. we got an announcement to make to everybody. We are now an affiliate with Apex turkey loads. If you have not heard about Apex turkey loads, you are missing out. I'm going to tell you about them real quick. They are seven shot, seven eight, 85 and a half, eight, eight and a half, and nine shot. They come in 12 and 20 gauge, two and three quarters, three inch, and three and a half. And let me tell you right now, also 410s. They're killing turkeys. Now, we're not telling you to shoot at turkeys at long distances, but they're killing turkeys at great distances with those TSS shots. Well, cool. Apex Turkey load. When you get your turkey loads, believe it or not, they deliver them in a wooden box, fancy box with the oh, logo really? on the box and a nice card that's signed thanking you for purchasing their ammunition. Well, it's, that's pretty cool. Now, we have not left Hornady. Hornady's not manufacturing turkey loads right now. Right. right. So we had the opportunity to work with Apex. Apex stretched out to me over a year and a half ago, and I couldn't do it because of Hornady. So uh, you never know watching the store uh, for Hornady uh, down the road. Sure. So, yeah. That being said, more numbers.
2: Yeah. Well, we want to cover Douglas County, of course, for the folks over there at AVA. Uh, so far in Douglas County, they have uh, killed 232 turkeys. And Ozark County at 138 over Ripley County, 151. And we get over around uh, Washington County, 218, Iron County at 86, Madison County, 142, uh, St. Francis County, 215, uh, St. Genevieve County, 383. Looking for Wayne and How many at St. Genevieve? St. Genevieve County, 383. Oh, wow. They're leading uh, Shannon County. They're they're leading a lot of us. Wayne County at 147, Butler County over on Poplar Bluff, 53. Oh, wow. Which is way down because this same time last year, they had over 150. Crazy. Yeah, I saw that number. i tell earlier you, I today.
1: really think, everybody, if I may interrupt, I really think we have to draw attention to our turkey numbers here in southern Missouri. I really do. Yeah. I think we got a problem. I've heard less turkeys in southern Missouri in my entire life this year. Yeah, and know, I, I've been where there's turkeys. Everybody Let me tell you right now, I've been where there's turkeys. And people say, oh, they're hemmed up. Oh, we got lots of turkeys. Well, different parts of the county's got different turkeys right. in Shannon. But like, right. I tell you, in southern Shannon County, we don't have them.
0: Well, I think Southern Missouri is suffering. I mean, talking to one of the MDC reps uh, last week, he was saying Southern Missouri is hurting. Middle of Missouri has actually picked up quite a bit from last year, yeah. and Northern Missouri finally, after three years, has recovered from those floods. Yeah,
2: that's what an agent told me last Friday. He said, "He said here in Oregon County, we don't have any birds." No. Yeah. He said, "Now he said up north, they're doing fine." He said, "But the southern part of the state is really struggling, and you know we we're airing on Salem, and so oh, hey, stand in the gang, Dent County with 367. And oh, this is yeah. this is a they're perfect. They got a, more turkeys. This is a perfect example yeah, of this. You get up in the middle part of the state, as Wayne said, and and up north, the turkey numbers are pretty good, but here in the south, they're they're struggling a little bit. Somebody, I got into a discussion uh, Wednesday morning on Facebook about what what is the problem, and and I just had one response." Predators, predators, yes. predators. coons, raccoons. Raccoons is
1: one of the biggest nemesis right. to turkeys. Yeah. I, I've shared this story. I'm going to share it again. I have a tame hens. They look like wild ones. And I had a hen busted off her nest three times, and it was all done by coons, hmm. yep. each one of them. She could not nest last year because of coons attacking her.
2: Uh, And and one hen not nesting, I mean, that's responsible for four four or five turkeys, four or five birds. Well, it depends on their
1: success, yeah. But, I mean, they can lay a clutch up to 15, 20 eggs. Oh, I know. But But uh, the success rate, uh, they've done some studies, and I think the success rate in southern Missouri is like 2%. Yeah,
2: pretty low. I mean, mean, it's— and I would guess
1: probably what I mean all is over. two of a clutch of fifteen. Right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. So, so anyway, that, that there's concerns about our turkey numbers, and yeah. not just here. What about Webster County?
0: I say I ran into a guy that uh, hunting here from Arkansas, and he said he came up here because that's what he used The Arkansas numbers are hurting pretty bad yeah. too. And so he came up here and he goes, man, He goes, I, I I, actually have to drive another hour and a half north to get the even better numbers because we are are now in close to what Arkansas is doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're Arkansas is really, really struggling yeah. badly. Uh, Wright County, 290 up around Hartville and then up in Webster County, up around Mansfield, about 238.
1: So far. That's there pretty go. good. That's pretty yeah, good numbers. We've got a lot of listeners. in. There. Even in Greene County,
2: right around Springfield, Alex, 297.
1: What about Ozark County?
2: Ozark, Ozark County is at 138.
1: Oh, wow. Yep. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah. Very concerned. But if you
2: look at the map, you can see the, the dark is the uh, the counties that have killed 400 or more. Look where all the dark brown oh, is. yeah. Yeah. yeah so, it's all uh, up in the mid part of the state. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I've been invited to hunt up around the Merrimack River, St. Clair. Yeah. In there, and they got lots of turkeys. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's pretty bad when you got to go get on a turkey uh, you got to leave your home county to go somewhere else to get on a turkey, yep. because it, you know I won't cross a fence. If, if turkey turkey's over there, I'm not going over there. Right. I won't. Well, you,
2: you know Denny Young. Oh yeah. Denny Young, great turkey hunter in Arkansas. Yeah. I was talking to him yesterday, Tuesday at the Thayer Mammoth baseball battle, and he said, "I just don't have any birds." Yeah. And he and he predators. Yeah. I'm well, telling you, predators, cats, whatever
1: hogs different things. Anyway, we're going to go to a break, everybody, and here's our special guest. If you love NASCAR, you better stay tuned because we've got NASCAR driver, NASCAR champion, Ward Burton, going to be on the phone with us talking about his American roots. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this.
0: Hey, this
3: is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutgers and Friends. On some love I've been
1: Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day?
2: I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move.
1: Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wiseye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wiseye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com
2: and how do I find out more information about these guys?
1: You go to wiseismartcam.com. I'm using them. You should too. Make your hunt easier. Use Wise Eye. Welcome back to American Roots, everybody. Alex Rutledge in the studio, along with my co-hosts, Redbone and Wayne Locke. And as we promised, we've got NASCAR champion, Ward Burton, on the line. Welcome to the show, Ward.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Alex.
1: All right, brother, what's going on out in Virginia right
3: now? Well, it's been gusty wind, no rain. Got some rain coming in Friday, we think, but just been doing a office work today but uh got some land work to do tomorrow buddy
1: so let me ask you i know you're a big outdoorsman man you've got a foundation you do a lot of things for for wildlife and and for for wildlife management timber management you, you you've got family members that are still racing but my question is do you uh i want to kick it off where was you born Ward?
3: I was born in Danville, Virginia, about 30 miles uh, uh, west of us. I live in uh, Halifax County, Virginia now.
1: Halifax County. And you was born in 1961? Yes, sir.
3: That's what, and, yeah, you, <laughs> that's what they tell me. Yeah. That's <laughs> what they tell me. That's
2: like me. I, like, I was born in 1960, but I don't remember it. <laughs> that's right. That's
1: what's
0: on my paper.
1: <laughs> Well I tell you what everybody if you're just tuning in again we got Ward Burton on here, NASCAR champion. This guy is a brother, man. This guy is just like us. This guy's got a big old heart for the world for wildlife. But uh the next question. You was born there. Now where did you attend school? Did you graduate high school?
3: Oh yes, sir. Uh well my first stint in school was kindergarten, but it wasn't mandatory in they made us go in and lay on a mat around 11 o'clock <laughs> and, and supposed to take a nap. Yeah. Well, one day I decided I wasn't going in. I hid in a uh, water drainage. and next thing I know, <laughs> policemen and uh, and firemen were all looking for me, and I got bored, and then I came out. But I never had to go back to kindergarten again.
1: <laughs> well, I got one for you, Warren. I quit kindergarten. I told him I was too smart. I went a half a year.
3: There you go. Well, I was just the opposite.
1: (laughs) Now, we're not trying to encourage any five year olds to quit school that maybe listen. No. Or or hide in drain pipes. Or hide in drain pipes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, next question. So, you went to school, uh, elementary school, high school. Did you play sports in high school?
3: A little bit. I I tried to, I was pretty good in baseball, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was like in a Dixie class when you like, 11 to 14, uh, but when it moved up, man, I, I just wasn't that good, but uh, the best thing I can tell you about school, I had a, went to a private school from the 2nd to ninth grade, uh-huh. and then I went to the public school here at Halifax County High School, but that didn't last but six months, and because <laughs> of me hauling butt to the outdoors and partying and girls, <laughs> I got sent to Hargrave Military <laughs> Oh,
0: <Uh-oh! laughs> That's <screwed you> up.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, that was, you know, at the time, it was a prison, but be honest with you, I learned a lot about life, a lot about chain of command, and it got my priorities straight. So it was, my parents should have sent me a year or two before they did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So now, I, I know where this is going to lead, but Tell me about your first experience in racing. What got you into racing? Did you, I mean, your family or what? Did you outrun game wardens when you was a hunter or what?
3: <laughs> Man, it was my dad. So my dad's a fierce competitor. He was, when dad was in the ninth grade, dad was first string varsity in all three sports.
0: Wow. In the wow. in the
3: varsity, so I mean basketball, football, baseball. So dad's a fierce competitor. Even even in his eighties now, he plays tennis. Still is. Wow. But dad took me to a go kart track when I was eight, being the oldest of three, Brian and Jeff, and uh-huh. asked me, "Did uh, would I like to do that next weekend?" And lo and behold, we went up there and won the race. <laughs> and after that. Uh, we we raced on the weekends and uh of course i stayed in the woods during the winter so it's really my father man he uh he just um i mean it was his game obviously because he's buying the golf the carts and all that and uh taking us all over the state of virginia i got out of uh hargrave you know i hadn't raced in quite a while and i went and lived out in the woods for two years uh because I just didn't know what in the world I was going to do with my life. And I came out. My parents had split up. So my dad took Jeff, my youngest brother, obviously. Uh, he was having a lot of hard time with the divorce. Divorce took him from go-karts to late model stock. And I don't know. It was around 85. I went to see how they were doing. A and a gentleman offered me a Volkswagen. I drove that <laughs> two weeks. And then a... Then a guy named Carl Nubbell offered me this old street stock. And once I got in that thing, man, I almost won the first race I ran, but it was everything in my life came after the race car was ready. You know, well obviously working full time job, but once once the job's over, you did nothing but go to the race shop and uh, and make sure that car is prepared.
1: So so did you ever run dirt or did you just run asphalt?
3: We didn't have any asphalt tracks around here in the cars, but, yes, sir, we ran a lot of uh, dirt in the go-cars.
1: Okay. Now, where we live at, uh, Ward, in south-central Missouri, we got one of the fastest three-eighths-mile tracks in the U.S. here. It's the West Plains Motor Speedway. You may have heard of it. Okay. there's been some NASCAR drivers that's raced on our track right here.
2: Yeah, there 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 have been a few, and and you know the thing I think it's interesting about this is him starting with the go karts because yeah. almost every story you hear with these go NASCAR cars. guys they started with the go karts.
1: Yeah, I right. think it's awesome. I yeah. do too. I hey do too. Ward, I used to race lawnmowers. Believe it or not.
3: <laughs> uh, were you pulling them or, or racing around a track? Racing a dirt track. We run dirt track. Yeah, oh, so damn. After I saw a picture of you, I'd have a hell of an advantage with the difference of me being light and you being heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could say you're 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 average and I'm a midget. So have a well, how,
1: how tall are you, Warren?
3: Five, five and a half, five six, something in that neighborhood. I'm five
1: six, five six and a half. That's what I am, but I weigh two hundred pounds, one ninety.
3: Yeah, and I'm 140, probably sloking wet. Oh,
1: know? man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I tell you what, Ward, we're going to go to a break here. This is a great show, everybody. Uh, Ward Burton, NASCAR champion. This guy is sharing his American roots. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more with Ward Burton right after this.
3: Right here, right now, this is Chance Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. Noses our a Big old- Year after year come on dear
1: wise I presents welcome back to american roots we're talking hunting we're talking outdoors we're talking american roots with mr ward burton nascar champion he just shared about his school years where he was born where he was raised and and his love of the outdoors how he got into racing and what we want to talk about now is after you won several races how did you land your first nascar ride
3: well, let, let me back up real quick. I appreciate the uh compliment, but I'm not a champion. <laughs> so, oh I, yeah, I you
1: are lazy, to us you are.
3: Anyway, uh man, it was just it was just uh it was a different time in the eighties and nineties than it is now. So, you know, you worked your way up from uh street stock to late model and then Humphrey Wheeler created the sportsman uh division at charlotte motor speedway where you took old grand national cars and put late model motors in it mm-hmm. uh so i did really well with those racers should have won both of them blew a tire i came out with of another one but anyway <laughs> that that got me some notoriety and then a gentleman named ed free in pennsylvania called me and loaned me a bush car Wow. And so my late model crew and I jumped on that car, took it to Martinville, didn't make the feature, but we won the heat race to get in the feature. <laughs> wow. At that time, that was a pretty big deal for just, you know, I got obviously no seat experience. My guys didn't have any experience what to do with the car, but I would before technology, you know, it's yeah. a little bit different game now, but yeah. Anyway, and we ran that car a few other times, and then Mike Swain gave me a break where I shared a ride with Morgan Shepherd with the Texas Pete car, and we ran really well a couple of times. And it just—it just, you know, the phone rang, man. I just started getting offers, and uh, was uh, seeing that you know I might be able to make a living racing what I love to do, you know.
2: Wow! And then you win the Daytona Five Hundred.
3: Special day, but I remember the ones I should
2: have won more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean that's the, that's the pinnacle of racing. I mean, that's like the Daytona 500. Know, that, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's like being on a football team that wins a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, you're always a Super Bowl champion, and and here you are winning a Daytona 500. You forever will be known as a Daytona 500 champion.
3: You know, it's it's funny because. Uh, I can remember the first time walking into Daytona mm-hmm. and, you know, it pretty much was the same as it had been in the seventies and hadn't much changed track surface old. And just, man, at those, the fast, I, I never had a car that would go fast enough. It always should be able to go faster, but I liked that track a lot. And, uh, You know, as my team got better and we got some better resources, we had, let's see, 01, 02, and I think it was like 2000. We we really had shots to win that race, and we finished top five and top ten quite a few times Mm -hmm. at Daytona. So it's, man, it's, you know, I'm definitely probably not a Hall of Famer, but uh, that's one thing when it comes to racing that. I can't remember how many people have won it, but uh, if you're gonna win one, that's the one to win. That's for yes, certain. it is.
1: Yes, it is. Absolutely. Now, w- let me ask you: What is the fastest you? What was your speed, top speed there in Daytona when you won that race?
3: <laughs> Alex, I would have no idea. I could tell you some times on a stopwatch, maybe, yeah. but uh, I was testing tires for Bob Newton that owned Hoosier tires at Talladega one time, and he got frustrated because we wasn't up to speed and Take that blankly bank restrictor plate off and get the boy up to speed so we can do our <laughs> tire test. You know, we averaged like 216. Oh, my gosh. And I couldn't tell any difference other than the motor had a lot more RPMs than we were hitting the track all the way around. So, I mean, those tracks, man, with, you know, if you were just going there and didn't have certain rules so that we wouldn't get airborne, I mean, we would be in the 130s, 140s easily.
0: Wow. Hmm. Well, I have a a question for you. When you first walked out, to the day on on the daytona track the first time you ever stepped foot on it and you stood there and you looked around at all that empty you know those empty seats and that before the race even started or opened up for the very first time you opened that was that the kind of a same feeling people like country artists get when they walk into the grand old opera stage for the first time i mean did you feel overwhelmed or like oh my gosh i made it to the yeah, i made yeah. it to the daytona i can't believe i'm here
3: well, look, the first time I went there, I drove my blazer from St. Augustine with a extended family. I spent a lot of time there, and we were drinking beer like hell at, uh, <laughs> at, six, at 16. So, so the first time I was in the infield, I was none of that. You know, yes, yes, yes yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's you, Wayne. Um, you know, it's just got... Man, there's so many people that made the sport what it is long before my time. And they were sitting in cars. You know, they didn't even have headrests. They were running yeah. seats that come out of other cars. How in the world <laughs> they survived from the <laughs> crashes. But they, they were men. Yeah. I mean, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Those guys were men. So, I mean, that's, that's what makes it special is all the – not only the drivers, but uh, – Mr. France, Senior, he yeah. was passing about time I got in, but uh, Junior. I mean, they just man, they just it just had great leadership, and uh, it just you kind of almost you didn't feel as part of the family, but at that moment, you know, you felt like you had earned your way to be there and wanted to make people proud. You know, I
0: was going to say you to stand on the pavement that you know that Dale, you know, ran on that Dale Petty yeah. ran on, and you, petty. and you and yeah. you just had to say, "Oh my God, I made it." Yeah. You know, I have made it, right? Quickey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my
2: all time favorite driver, no offense, AJ Foyt. AJ Foyt.
0: I, I remember back
2: disguise. in the I remember back in the 70s watching AJ, and I rooted for him every race that I ever watched on TV. Did
3: you ever meet him Ford? Yes, sir. Yeah, not not really in a um capacity to have a relationship with him, yeah. but uh <clears throat> hey um Mr. Foyt won and everything he said in, you know, he was a heck of a
1: he was always my favorite. Oh yeah, I like Petty, I like Earnhart, uh, Jimmy Spencer, uh, Allison,
3: <laughs>
1: Randy. Hell, you like
3: everybody. Do you? I do. I like everybody. <laughs> I, I love. I love
1: Ward Burton though, not in a gay way, yeah. but I love Gord. Uh, Ward Burton.
3: You know, I always <laughs> felt. I said that to be funny. I have to tell you this. So I mean, I'm my roots are a hundred percent a Virginia country boy. Come on. I mean, that's, that's just what I am. Yeah. And, and be honest with you, most people in the garage, the really the only thing I had a relationship with, including my brother, he's my brother, but we don't really have much in common is my roots were so deep because I didn't even start driving the street stock till I was 25. So, you know, by the time yeah. I made the cup at about... I don't know, early thirties. You know, i I was always glad to get to head home because home was quiet, <laughs> yeah, peaceful, yeah. You know, and so it it was always a little bit of a culture shock for me. I mean, I felt like I belonged, but yet it was just it was just a little different for me, you know.
1: Everybody, you're listening to Ward Burton, NASCAR champion. Daytona 500 winner. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Ward Burton and his American Roots. Don't go away. We'll be right back more after this.
0: Hi, everybody. This
3: is Aaron Tiffin, and you're listening to my old buddy, Alex Rutledge, with American Roots Outdoors. And good friends. Around your heart So you never gotta worry What the wind might do
1: American Roots Hi, everybody. This is Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. How many of you need an attorney? If you're like me, sometimes you do. I go to Zane Prevett at the Brevet Law Office, Willow Springs, Missouri. No case is too big or too small. You can call Zane at 417-469-3535. Zane Prevett at the Brevet Law Office. This is Alex Rutledge, and he is my attorney. Welcome back to American Roots, everybody. We've got Ward Burton, Daytona 500 champion. This guy has got a wonderful past of where he grew up and how he shares his story, Redbone, Wayne. Uh, What a wonderful story.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say, and I know he he's always talking about this competitiveness, the racing, this, that, and yeah. the other, and he talked about getting back home and how quiet it was. And I imagine that's probably one of the things you it took advantage of when you went into the woods was the quietness, t- the getaway. Am I correct on that?
3: Well, I've never, you know, like a noise of motors, is not what I'm talking about. It's, I know. You know, if, if you ever have experienced, and we all have, where you're in deep stress or anxiety about mm-hmm. something.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
3: There's this one particular farm that a dear friend of mine owned that my foundation owns now, which, and it's protected in perpetuity. Uh-huh. That's always been my refuge. Oh, yeah. Mentally and physically. It keeps me young from working on it. Yep. But mentally, man, when I when I leave there, I'm a better person every single time.
1: You felt like you accomplished something.
3: Yeah, well, you know, it's always a project with land management. You know, we own, Foundation owns almost 10,000 acres, so it's a lot of work, and I still got calluses and will till I hit the bucket. But it's just a sense of uh, it wasn't really my family, but being a part of an extended family and this gentleman telling me years ago. You know, I don't own this land, even though he legally did on a deed. He oh, said, yeah. I'm the steward while I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And that message I have never forgotten. And that's, I never put my needs above the land's needs ever. Wow. Wow. So, you, you know, it's just a, it's a, feel like a deep responsibility that I, that I mistakenly or on, on purpose inherited in this. Man, that leads my life now.
0: Beautiful. Now, your Beautiful. dad got you into the racing. That Was he also the one that got you into the outdoors?
3: My granddad uh, was, you know, raised a garden in the summertime and fished religiously. I mean, even kept up with the moon cycles and mm. where he caught the fish time of day. And then he was a diehard duck hunter in the uh, mm. winter. So having grown up with that man, you know they wouldn't let me go when I was four or five, and of course I was, I was looking for shotgun shells for my four ten while they were out doing whatever. But uh, I don't know, it's just man, I, there was nothing else. So when when you've got a hundred acres behind where you live, even though we didn't own it, yeah. I had access to it. There was no 24-hour cartoon network. There was no phone. What else did I have? I played in the creek with the crawfish. I learned where the rabbits lived and where the ra- what the raccoons I are doing that. in the and I it- beaver swamps. I mean, we did we did what kids did then. That's what I did.
0: Right, that's what I did. know you that's, did. That's what I did. That's what Mike did, and I wish it. that's what today's kids did. Yeah. Because we don't let, like my kids, I don't let them, Alex. You know, we have a two-year-old and four-year-old. They get a little TV time. Other than that, they're out back catching crawdads, yeah. catching tadpoles. They're doing, yeah. that's where they need to be.
3: Well, good for you. But, you know, a guy named Lou Rennie wrote a book, and one of the things he said, the kids today are nature deficit disorder, and it breaks my heart. And that's why we have, with my foundation, a trailer of a bunch of manned animals and talk about the role that we play and the different habitats these animals need to survive. I mean, you know, they're our future, but you're just like me. We're a lot more protective oh, yeah. than uh, what our parents were of us. And we turned out fine, but maybe they are a little more dangerous than it was then. I don't, I don't, I don't have the answer just the way yeah. it is.
2: Yeah, I I grew up in St. Louis in the city, and and even back in the '60s, mom would say at eight o'clock on Saturday morning, she said, "Get out of here, I'm cleaning house. <laughs> Supper's at five. Be home."
1: Yeah, you know, Ward, you made me th- you made me think of something, and, and, and thanks for sharing that red bone. But uh, when I was a kid growing up, I was born in a farmhouse. Mm-hmm. I got nine brothers and sisters, Ward. And we're all full-blood brothers and sisters. My dad and brothers taught me how to turkey hunt. I learned to voice call and uh, started calling competitions. And uh, I would go saddle my own horse at five years old. I'd grab a Folgers coffee can put some sweet feet in it, walk a quarter of a mile over the hillside, go get my pony. And he'd follow me to the house, put my bridle on My dad or my brothers or sister helped me put the saddle on him. And I got me a cowboy hat. And I would get cigars and smoke cigars watching them on Westerns. I thought I was a cowboy. <laughs> and I never, I never wore shoes. Seriously, all summer, I never wore shoes. Really? Yeah, never.
3: You're it, a tough geezer.
1: Well, yeah, it was the way we was raised. In fact, and that's, rocky, and that's
2: rocky ground up there yeah. in Shannon County. Yeah,
1: and we never got sick. Now think about it. Yeah. I never, it, man. It, Go ahead.
3: Let me tell you this one story, and it's my mom's, it's a mom's haul. So at this at this farm I'm particularly talking about that C.R. Sanders owned, this farm that my foundation owns, it's in, actually in the middle of nowhere in Halifax County, Virginia. And my dad convinced my mom I would be fine to stay in this old tobacco barn by myself When I started, I started this at 11 years old. So every single weekend, Mom would drop me off, and I got my I got my rifle, my shotgun, got my knapsack, and and Mom would be sitting there at the gate, and and the road goes about 300 yards before you turn to walk to this barn. And it it was a horror for her. She she felt so <laughs> irresponsible that. And man, you know, little did they know how much they did for me to oh, be able yeah. to have that freedom, yeah. survive on my own, learn about this land, learn about wildlife. I mean, just what a wonderful, daggone childhood. Well, man, what a
1: yeah. great story. You know, uh, you know, we got a lot of things in common, Ward. You and I, we do. And you got a lot of things in common with a lot of people that was raised in the Ozarks and, and, and down south. And, you know, your roots run deep and strong, there's no doubt, brother, and you don't fear the wind. It's very evident in the story here. Uh, we're going to wrap up this fourth segment here. We've got about a minute left here. But I want to I recap what I've learned about Ward Burton during this interview with you guys. And I want to share what you think, what you learned about Ward Burton. I've learned that Ward Burton is a conservationist. I've learned that Ward Burton loves to help people. I've learned that Ward Burton, uh, again, his roots run deep, man, and he's proud to say and share uh, uh, his history of his family, and he wants to encourage others to be conservationists to to help others and to help wildlife habitat. What'd you capture, Redbone?
2: Yeah, I, w- I would agree with all of that, and also the fact that he uh, he is just uh, he puts his uh, pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of us.
0: That's right. Yep. Yep, and one word no I would No question about that, my friend. Yeah, and one word I would add to that is humble. Very humble. Very humble. Yeah, very humble.
1: Well, we want to have you back on again, but everybody we don't want you to go away because we got the bonus segment up and Red Bull's are going to talk about the bonus segment. We're going to talk about uh I said Red
0: He said, said Wayne. He
1: pointed, pointed at, at Wayne. Wayne. I pointed <laughs> at Wayne He said Red I don't, I,
0: don't I don't know whether
2: that was a compliment or I should be offended. I was yeah, complimented. Red oh, 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 oh. Redbone was offended. I was
1: complimented. <laughs> 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 so, what we're going to do is talk about turkey calling, turkey hunting with Ward, but also about his Daytona 500 win and some of his wins uh, while racing the Bush Series and NASCAR and all that. But uh, talk about
0: the bonus segment real quick. Yeah, with the bonus segment, you're going to get not only the radio stations uh, portion of this. So if you missed any of it, go to the uh, your favorite podcast carrier. You can catch the entire radio portion plus the bonus segment. We're also going to talk about the uh, Ward-Burton Foundation. Yes. I know we definitely want to touch base on that. And there's yes. Folks, there's a lot you're going to love about this foundation. Uh, but to listen to the bonus segment, just go to your favorite podcast carrier, uh, Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Uh, subscribe to it uh, I too, or just follow us. Uh, I, th- I guess subscribe is now the yeah. not the word they're using anymore in the what podcast. It? It's uh, follow. You want to oh. follow us now because okay. subscribe now, they're changing things. Like huh. on Apple Net, if you subscribe, it's actually a paid uh, program. So we are not a paid program. We are free for everybody to listen to, so don't worry about the subscription thing. Okay. Uh, but um, follow us. Make sure you uh, leave us a review. Leave your full name and a uh, where you're from in the review, so we can get a hold of you if you win. Betty, Betty won last week. We're gonna be doing another drawing here this next week uh, for uh, Ward Burton. And matter of fact, uh, it looks like we may be giving away an autographed diecast car from Ward. Wow! Am I correct on that, Ward? Yes, sir. Awesome. So, folks, make sure you leave that uh, review and make sure you leave your name and where you're from in that review if you want to win one of these die-cast cars autographed by Ward Burton. Be sure to tell all your friends listeners about this die-cast car that Ward Burton's going to sign because it's going to be worth a lot of money someday. I'm telling you.
3: I don't know about that.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, folks, thanks for listening. And as we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind.
3: So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for
2: today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station.
0: Apex Ninja Turkey Loads presents American Roots with Alex Rutledge and Friends. This is Wayne Locke. i got Alex Rutledge and Mike Kreis on the studio here with me. And we have the great Ward Burton and folks. He at,
1: doesn't think he's great. He, I know he is.
0: He's humble. That's very why. Humble. He's very humble. He does not realize just what he's accomplished. I think sometimes that all of us are just in awe. Yeah. When you, Ward, <laughs> Ward, when you're talking about the stuff you've done, trust me, we're sitting here going, we wish we could be there, you know, to, to experience what you're experiencing. Uh, a, a matter of fact, one of the guys I worked with, um, and, and I hope nobody takes any offense to this, yeah. but he was a uh, six foot eight, all muscle, black guy that was my partner on the squad. And the very first day I worked with him, it was a Saturday, and he comes in, he says, "We better not get a call from one o'clock to about five o'clock," right. which you know, working in the city of Cleveland uh, on a paramedic squad, that was almost not going to happen. I was like, "Why? What's going on?" He goes, "NASCAR's on." <laughs> so I looked at him. I'm like, okay, something did not fit the profile of what I was thinking. I was like, you, yeah. you, you like NASCAR? And he was, dude, I am NASCAR. <laughs> and that guy, he, that he'd cool. been, he's he been to every uh, racetrack I can you can think of that is a famous racetrack. He's been there, and he's been on the grass. He's taken his camper, and it yeah. was family and stuff like that. And I learned more from him in the, the probably the first week working with him about NASCAR than I knew about NASCAR my entire life. Wow. That guy was just all I mean, he knew all the specs, what had to be done, the rules, this, that, and the other. But well, I'm gonna digress into back why we're here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got because I get excited. when you know you talk yeah. about this kind of stuff with someone who is so, you know, well known as you. But um, we were talking earlier about, you know, Getting into Daytona, you're winning the Daytona. Off the air, we did talk a little bit. Alex asked you a question, Alex, what, and what was that question you asked him? If he well, ever did, I asked did. him
1: several questions. What, you know about uh, the oh, uh,
0: moonshine. Did you ever
1: haul any moonshine in Virginia mountains? Is that how you learned to race? Because I know my brother, brother Will John and D. Kelly, uh, are legends here in dirt track racing, and they learned how to, to drive by outrunning game wardens. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, well, hey, I've never tried to run from a policeman, much less a game warden. So I'm that joking. didn't happen. No, the, hey, there's still, you know, where I live, Franklin County, Virginia, is well known for their moonshine. That's kind of the capital of moonshine it in is. Virginia, but that. Yeah, that was uh, that was a little bit
0: before my time. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was. I still you never, say that's how he won the Daytona 500. You he, put, he put he put a little moonshine tank? in his gas tank. That's why he ran just a little <laughs> bit faster than everybody else. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, Daytona
1: 500. Let's talk about it. Let's recap it real quick. You go there. Uh, let's talk at the front part of it. You got where did where did you qualify at during that race that you won?
3: Well, let's back up for a minute. Okay. So in 01, I had the fastest car. We got the setup right in happy hour on Saturday after the bus race. I mean, we led the most laps, uh, got wrecked on the back stretch, took us out, took about 17 of us out. And of course, shortly after that, we lost one of the heroes in the sports. But yeah. uh yeah. so when going to 02, my whole mindset is i've got to miss this one big one that's gonna happen and be honest with you i think we finished like eighth or ninth in the 125 the car was not nearly as fast as the 01 car but the 29 tried to block a 24 going into turn uh one and i was right on the 24's bumper Gordon And, man, if you watch that tape, I literally – I turned the wheel hard enough not to spin out to miss the 29. And, I mean, I bet you there wasn't four inches. So, I mean, I came on the radio and said, guys, the car was too tight down on the bottom. If they could just get me freed up, I thought we had a shot at it, and we kind of worked our way up from there.
1: Wow. <laughs> so, the car was too tight going in. Yeah. And, and we're talking racing – uh, terms right here. Uh, to being too tight means the car uh, is, is it doesn't drift enough for him. Uh, too is not loose enough for the car to to drift a little.
3: So so it's like if we're on gravel yeah. or, or ice or something or grass and you got some speed, the front end is not following the input of the wheel. So Come it's on. wanting to go right when I want it to go left.
1: Correct. Correct. So you loosen it up. And let's talk about how you loosen the car up real quick.
3: Well, Tommy uh, Baldwin was my crew chief. He was doing a great job, and uh, I think he did two things. I think he raised the rear of the track bar, which adds uh, takes some bite out of the left rear and uh-huh. puts it in the right rear yep. and changed some air pressure. And the car was uh, much better then.
1: Oh yeah, so it made it it made it grab on the right rear. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Well, it's free rolling better, which means you're not putting you're not using the right front as much with scrub speed, and you know the balance of the car to front and rear was better. I had forward bite on exit. Uh-huh. and the nose was turning and following uh-huh. the input of the wheel butter. Wow, wow.
1: Now, let me ask you that. Do you scale your cars? Do you set them on scales to to set your, scars, your cars? Here at home, all the boys would always scale their cars to get percentages at the front and the rear.
3: Oh, yes, sir, definitely. Uh, side bike, uh, yep. front and wheel rate, cross, yeah, the whole thing. Yes, sir, got to.
1: Wow, wow. I can't wait to get you over here. You're going to come and visit with me in Missouri, aren't you? Hang out with me?
3: I would love to do it.
1: Yeah, we'll take you smallmouth fishing. We'll go see some scenery. Si- you bring your wife and your family, man. We'll have a big time. i got a nice place. Well, to I'll stay. leave
3: my wife at the house but okay. I like to rough it a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hear you.
1: Well, we got an airport you can land in within 12 minutes of my house. If you've got a plan, you Man, the
3: here. private airfare days are over, so yeah. I'll have to go commercial or drive, wherever that's at.
1: Yeah, well, well, we can take a bus, you know. I can help you get a bus <laughs> ticket. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I'd like to ask Ward just a, it's a minute, and then we, we've touched on a little bit, but what, I don't think we really have gotten a whole lot of information here in, in the final couple of minutes of the uh, bonus segment about the Award burton Foundation. Yeah, let's talk you know, about yeah, that. What, what do you all do? What is the purpose of the foundation, Ward?
3: Well, I set it up after winning the Rockingham race in 95. I was getting a lot of attention. The sport was really popular. I knew nothing about 501 Cs, but what I did know is I had the ability to make a difference for natural resources. So I created the Ward-Burton Wildlife Foundation in 96, and you can imagine how many years I was driving after that. And be honest with you, you know, most of what we would do is fund other people's projects like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation mm-hmm. or Hunters for the Hungry or things of that nature. I
1: remember
3: that. Yes. But, you know, for the first 12 years, it was my funding that kept that foundation alive. But since then, we've grown a lot. We've got great partners. Uh, man, I've had one gentleman with me who's been with me for 16 years. So we're really about four things, youth education, Veteran Outreach, which all of our land is all used for veterans to do outdoor excursions, whether that's hunting, fishing, camping, we got houses designated to them, you know, lodging. And then we run a program called ACUB stands for Army Compatible Use Buffer for two National Guard bases, one in Virginia, one in Pennsylvania. And so how we learned about Tools like conservation easements is from the land that I was speaking to y'all about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, we've put all those lands in easements to give the land a perpetual voice and the land be used for wildlife habitat and wildlife habitat only. So, man, that the Army Compatible Use Buffer and, and working with the colonels and the majors and the tags... We've, we've come, we have completed over 50,000 acres just around those two bases and protecting the live fire training of these men and women that, that all branches use. So that's been nothing but a complete honor. Then the other thing we do is land management. So, you know, we, we got a forestry stewardship on every acre. We rent out a lot of agricultural land to some professional, uh, 21st century farmers, and we do a lot of food plots. It's all about diversity in the habitat, from wetlands to yeah. to oak forests. So that's really my cup of tea, and that's what I focus on. But my staff is is all over all of it.
1: Beautiful, wow, beautiful. Uh, we we want to help promote that. We want to talk to you about that after the show. How we can help promote the Ward Burton Foundation, and we'll talk about that later. But. Uh, Man, what a great organization!
0: What a great interview, everybody! Oh, no doubt. I mean, I know everybody has learned a lot on this, and uh, if you're on this bonus segment, um, I know you're probably going to have a lot of questions about this. You know, the foundation that we're going to make sure we have all the links to uh, you yeah, know follow Ward, you yeah. know, follow Ward Burton and and to get into the, uh, the information about the the Wildlife Foundation too.
3: Yeah. Well, and y'all know, guys, look. Y'all know where we got our passions from. We we had a granddad or a daddy or like my role model was C.R. Sanders. We all had someone that took us out in the woods as we were kids. And as we get older, you know, it's not about bagging something in the forest every time you go.
2: Come on. It's Come a on. lot
3: more about giving back so that other people can enjoy and protect these rural areas so that it stays that way, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's so true, because look at the kids nowadays. A lot of them don't even have, you know, father figures in the house to, to lead that way. Not that mothers can't do it, because mothers are really taking off on doing this also. But to have, like you said, you know, you had your father, your grandfather, somebody to, to lead that way. A lot of these kids are coming from broken homes. They don't have anybody, and that's our chance. That's yeah. our that's our responsibility, yeah. I think, like, to be the stewards to these kids, to show them what it's about.
3: Yeah. I want to say this. It's so hard, y'all. You, it is. I mean, you know the deal. I mean, the time that it takes to form that relationship and that trust with somebody that's taking care of that kid, it's, it's, it's just a, we all just got to do our small part to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, there is no better healing, whatever somebody has been through, there is no better healing atmosphere than the great outdoors.
1: Wow. Amen to that. Wow, well, I'll never. I'm going to use that quote. There's no better healing atmosphere than the great outdoors, Ward Burton. I'm going to use that on some of my posts, Ward, if you don't mind. And I'm going to give you the credit for it. I just want to say this to all of our listeners across the world the average age with the highest percentage of hunters in America today is like 48 years old.
2: Think about that. And it should be in the 30s. It should be in the 20s. Quite possibly. Yeah, We've yeah, got to go do back a better years job, ago, right. and
1: Ward Burton's doing a, a great job helping people. And that's our whole goal, too, at American Roots, is to lead people to the outdoors, inspire these kids to get outdoors and to hunt and fish and share the outdoors. Ward, I want to thank you for being on the show, and, and thank you for being a godly man and uh, sharing your heart, your faith with us, and, and what the outdoors means to you and your American roots. And uh, we want to have you back on again. And uh, everybody, please go follow Ward Burton. Go support his foundation. If there's anybody here that wants to help support that, get with Ward to help him, you know, because that's a great organization.
0: Yeah, and I'll put all the links at the bottom of the podcast. All you got to do yeah. is click the link. It takes you right to the page.
3: There you go. Well, thank you all, guys. I mean, I, I can tell you uh, just another thing about the foundation. I will never take a paycheck.
1: Oh, you won't? And
3: I catch my board had been trying to get me to – you know, my foundation buy me a truck and this and that. and That is never going to happen. So you don't wow. have to worry about wow. the founder getting paid for something. So every daggone penny that we raise, earn, or however we get goes into one of those four. And making a difference, you know, like with these veterans events, having the Vietnam era guys, Yeah, I can't tell you how many times that we've gotten calls from a spouse or a child that said, I don't know what you did to my dad or mom, but they're different people. And it was all just about thanking them for their service at a, at a time that they wasn't thanked and putting them around mm-hmm. some of their comrades that speak their language. So oh. that, I'll be honest with you. There's, it can get me crying thinking about some of those things, but there's so many things that we all can do. To make a difference in people's lives, and using the
0: outdoors to doing it. Yeah, yeah, we got to get him on to talk about oh, this foundation more. more. There's, yeah, there's a whole episode we gotta, we in gotta this.
1: A, we got to go do a, a, a Ward Burton Foundation interview uh, and have it on the show, and do a, some kind of hunt with a kid or a veteran or something. We right. got to do it. We got to do it. Ward Burton, everybody, what a man! What what a great guy! Uh, we want to thank you again, Ward, for being on the show. We're going to wrap it up and uh, go follow Ward. Uh, share this podcast, social media, where invite people to listen to this show. And remember, everybody, share the outdoors with a child, a friend. Share the experiences you and I had. And remember, our sand at American Roots is... When your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind.